Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? I hope that you are feeling fine. I hope that wherever you are, there is some joy in your life. I hope that you are with the people that you love and that there is a little bit of peace fluttering in that heart. That is one of the most important things, I think, in life. People search for this eternal happiness. But in fact, the happiness comes from eternal peace. And that's something that you cannot buy. It's not something that you can find anywhere outside of yourself. And it's something really that I've learned in my life when people say to me, you know what, what makes you happy? And always what makes me happy is what brings me peace, whether that be being with the people that give me peace or being in situations that give me peace. And I think that's something that's really important in life is to find that equilibrium within ourselves, whatever that is that we may do. And I think the peace and the serenity always comes from finding, you know, that vocation in our life. Why are we here on this planet? What's the reason? There must be a higher purpose. There must be a higher reason. And even every single person that we meet has some reason for being in our life, whether to teach us something, whether we are to teach them something. But ultimately, it is above all to love each other. And I know that maybe some people say, well, you know what, that's a little bit sort of optimistic and a little bit like you're wearing rose-colored glasses. But look, if it brings you happiness in that moment, if it brings you joy and love, it doesn't matter because the world needs more rose-colored glasses, I think. And we can see each other then with the utmost beauty that we are each and every single one of us. And that is why I am absolutely, you know, honoured and so excited to have my next guest um, on the show, which is the wonderful Annie Connolly, who is a TV radio presenter and she's an animal activist and the founder of the Cherry Horse Foundation. Annie is also an ex-international athlete who uses her sporting background 
that she, so that she can raise money for numerous animal causes. And really, I have to say to you, the work that she does is absolutely incredible. And she's going to share that with us, I'm sure. But she really is a beauty of a heart that does so much for other people and other animals and beings in this world and deserves all the recognition that she can get. And she has actually recently crossed the British Channel by kayak and cycled non-stop to London for Romanian strays. She is also very passionate about raising awareness and funds to help animals in need. Some of the stories that I've read, really, you know, there are really some people out there that are angels in disguise, and I'm sure she's one of them. She is a passionate vegan and works really closely with various organizations that promote the cause. And today, we are very honored, I have to say, because she's going to share her incredible journey. Welcome, Annie. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for that incredible introduction. I was listening to that thinking, wow, is that me? (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) And very well deserved, Annie, I have to say. Thank you, thank (laughs) you. I hope you haven't gone all shy now on us. (laughs) Um, I don't think me and shy go quite well together. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going shy, but I, I'm just. I'm. I'm absorbing um, some of those things. It, it's. It's not often you don't necessarily think about things that you might have done, or mm. just generally, you know, you you have, you 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 have a plan. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to achieve. This 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 is this is what I'm going to do. And we just get on and do it. And then as soon as that's done, you move on to the next thing. So you don't often really sit back and really sort of absorb and take in certain things that you've done. And then when it's relayed to you like that, you're like, oh my gosh, you're talking about me. <laughs> so yeah, so anyway, I'm not... Oh, it's, it's funny, isn't it? When you hear about yourself, you think, is that me? Is that really, who, who are they talking about? I know when also... The, when, when I go on, you know, like podcasts or radio shows or whatever, and you know how it is when people introduce you and you just think, oh, is that me? And I do get a little bit shy, I have to say. And, yeah. and I think that that's one of the things in life, isn't it? That we don't actually recognize ourselves enough for who we are. And that's the sad part, I think. I think that's, I think that's a, a really interesting point. We're quite self-deprecating, really, aren't we? Mm, mm. We, you know, we, we're quite, um, I think by nature, we generally, we look at things that we might have done or wanted to do and think, and always think, oh, we could have done that better or no, you know, there's more, I can always do more. Um, it's a little yes. bit like whenever some of the campaigns that you were talking about there that I might have done. Um, it, so many people, I get quite a lot of people reaching out apologizing I'm so sorry it's only five pounds I'm so sorry it's only ten pounds and you know I want it to be more and my response is always you must never apologize ever you have no idea all those little things that you're doing the fact that you just care the fact that you know five pounds two pounds one pound anything you have no idea what a difference that makes not just the money but just the fact that people are supporting you you know, people, people acknowledge what you're doing and, and they're behind you and that motivates you to, to keep going. Um, so yeah, we, we, we really must, I think, 
we should celebrate, I think, more uh, the good things that we do or, you know, rather than always, sadly, I think it's a very natural trait that, that we're pretty harsh on ourselves and negative. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we should, we should look at the good. It is. It is very, very true. We often sort of miss so much in life because we somehow persecute ourselves and we miss the whole point of life in that we don't see that we are part of this beautiful existence. That is something that I think we could do more of, couldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've hit the nail on the head there with, with this whole existence you know, the, the plot, all of us, you know, obviously my, my, my connection is hugely with the animal world and it's, we are all existing here together and, you know, yeah, we, we should all just, just settle a little bit sometimes and just all come together. Um, you know, so yeah, we, that, that's something I, I think we could be better at. Yes, absolutely. Now I know you're passionate about <laughs> your work you know, and what you do is incredible. You're going to have to tell us about that, you know, in detail, because it is such a worthy cause. And it's not just one cause. You do so many, so many different things that really I am in awe at what you do because really I believe that it is heaven sent. People like yourself are heaven sent to help others and whether that be animals or whatever it is. So it's not easy having that drive and that passion and the courage to do such a thing because a lot of us feel upset about what goes on in the world, but very little of us have the courage to actually try to change it. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where your secret is, is that you do have that effervescence to do it. But I know also that you have many inspirational stories and I want to take it back to the beginning a little bit to go back in your life and tell us where it all really started with you, Annie. It's, it's really difficult because it's multidirectional, mm-hmm. uh, I think. Um, I've, had quite, um, I've had quite a colourful life, I think you could, you could say. Um, so to answer that question specifically, I'd actually struggled to. I've always had, I've always been hungry for something. I've, I've always had this drive, this passion, this determination, this feeling that we can be and do anything we want. We can achieve anything. And I've, I've had this for as far back as, as I can ever uh, remember. You know, I remember my first um, uh, interview when I was probably about 18 maybe and the journalist asked me you know I think I'd just been asked I think I just represented Great Britain for the very first time and I remember him asking me you know where do you where do you see yourself in a few years time where do you want to go and it was for me it was I didn't it wasn't necessarily winning the Olympics but it was I want to get to the Olympics you know it's like that that's what I want mm. to say things like that just it was it, it was that's what I wanted and I believed wholeheartedly that as long as I worked as long as I did put in the, the miles put in the sessions dedicated my life to that I that's what I could do um and 
what I didn't take into consideration there are factors that really, in a sense, you're not really in control of. So I, I had, unfortunately, quite a lot of serious injuries, which affected me profoundly um, and then stopped me achieving what, what it was I wanted to achieve. But it wasn't my mindset. It was I still believed that I could do that. And I think that that is what has led into everything I've done. And I don't look at things, I, I don't know whether it's an athlete's mentality that mm. you have to break things down. You don't look at everything in its entirety because that's too much. It's overwhelming. You know, you have to break it down. Your training is done in micro macro cycles and you break everything down into smaller achievable bites. So it's more it, it, mentally, psychologically, it, it's more achievable. And I think that type of mindset has gone into everything else I do with the animals so so many people say well you're never going to change it you're never going to make a difference you're never going to and it's like whoa if we you know people are never good the whole world isn't going to go vegan overnight I absolutely know that you know Mm. but it doesn't mean that I should stop doing what I believe just because it's not by the click of a finger overnight things aren't going to change every tiny 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 action we take has a profound either positive or negative effect on whatever is around us and for me it's like make that make that something good make that a good effect make you know and and do you know what if i can save one dog if i can save mm. one horse wow that's that's enough for me you know at least that one animal has been saved because that life that's all it's got you know that's that, that's all it has and if you can if you can be a part of making that a life one of less suffering then and wearing the ability to do that then I believe we've got a complete duty to do that and I, I don't really know where it all began I've, I, I'm a true empath in every sense of the word you know I, mm. I, I care deeply and profoundly about everything you know I'm super sensitive um, everything matters no, I'm not I, you know, I, I'm not sort of chilled out, relaxed, really. I don't think about, about anything. Everything is important. And, and I always pick away at the layers and look more deeper into everything. And so I don't, my whole life I've been like that. And, you know, if I'm presented meat, it's like, oh, well, where did that come from? Or where, what, what happened, you know, in the days when I, before I became vegan vegetarian, it was like, I was, I remember always, even as a child, always being that annoying child asking questions. You know, and never necessarily taking, I think this is quite an important part, actually, never necessarily taking other people's views and opinions and, t- and, and adopting them as my own. I would take on their, what they were telling me, but then immediately I'd find out for myself. And then mm. I would face my own views and my own opinions, and therefore my actions would then reflect that. So I don't know if that's answered your question. <laughs> well, no, I mean... It does in part. It does in part. Mm. And it also brings us on to the point of being an empath, which is something that um, is very close to my heart. I know how that is to be an empath. And I know um, sometimes how difficult that can be because it's often a blessing, as they say, and a curse. You know, that famous saying to feel everything so deeply. And sometimes we feel things, you know, for people out there um, who are not familiar with an empath, tell us a little bit about what that means, Annie. So 
it means that you have let, let's let's put it in with people then mm-hmm. um so you have a you have an immediate connection to the emotions of feet and feelings of that of that person so if they're telling you, you a story of something that's happened to them or whatever it might be you don't just listen to that on a superficial level you absorb it you take it and then you you take it in it deep into your core and then there is something you want to fix it you want to help them because you feel their pain too um, and it's this overwhelming profound feeling that that you that you want to that you want to do something about it um, and where the blessing and the curse comes is that it means that, you know, you, it, it, you, you just feel everything. Um, and so whether it's your issues or not, you, you do take on other people's pain, I think. Um, but where, the, where that becomes positive is, I think what we then, we feel that we should do something about it. I, I feel this. Um, innate ability to to I know that I I know my weaknesses but oh my gosh I know my strengths and I and I feel that I'm able to do that I'm able to take those feelings and emotions on and then go and do something about it I, I feel an incredibly capable human being um, and and I think that's why then I think I I can acknowledge that potentially they're not they probably are just as capable, but if, if, if I don't think they can, then I, then I want to do it for them to help them. And that's where it comes with the animal world. It's, it's, you know, you'll see that they're the most innocent of beings that, that share this world with us. And, you know, they are at the mercy of us, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, you know, they are at our mercy. And, and if we turn a blind eye, what else have they got? You know, I, I live by the principle, if not me, who, if not now, when, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and those two things. So if I see whatever it might be, uh, th- 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 those words go through my, like a mantra, you know, and it goes over and over and over until actually I sort of think and have to then do something. And that's an incredibly sort of brave way to live life but it's also a way that you live consistently in the unraveling of the present moment. Because if you're always trying to help and to make a difference, every single moment becomes an opportunity for change. Yeah. I, 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 I love that because essentially we are the change. Mm. You know, if we just let things happen we are part of it so if Mm. we see an injustice or whatever it might be and we just let that go nothing will ever change and Mm. I always say we are ever evolving we are ever changing nothing will ever stay the same nothing is permanent be part of the change but make it good yes be part of the change but make it good and to know I, I you know I speak to many people um that we always have this conversation, whoever I speak to, that change is actually the most guaranteed thing in life is that there will always be change. And it's something not to be feared, but something to be embraced. Absolutely. And I think if you mastered that, you've mastered most things. I yes. think, I think, 
as human beings, we, we like predictability. I mean, I think we feel comfort with, with, with predictability and predicting how things are going to be. And, and, and therefore, the old saying, well, that's how it's always been. We get some comfort from that because we almost know the outcome. And mm. even if we don't necessarily agree with the outcome, if we know what the outcome is, we can sit easy with that. We feel quite comfortable with that. Whereas I don't care how things have always been. That's irrelevant to me. You know, mm. it's where are we going? Just because something has always been done doesn't mean that it's right. Yes. You know, mm. and, and we can't sit back on that. You know, mm. we, and, and not being fearful of change is, is to me, that's the greatest, greatest success in lots of different ways. You know, it, it gives you a much more rich life. It gives you excitement. You believe that anything is possible. Hey, if I don't achieve anything, if I don't save any, any animal, if, if Cherry Horse Welfare International doesn't become what I want it to become, it's not, it's, it's, it, I've tried. I'm not fearful of the failure, but I'm trying to do something, you know, to make a difference. And something good will happen in the process. But it's just, it's just, it's not accepting that things as they are, this present moment, that's how it has to be. Be part of that change. Yes, and we should fear, actually. You know, there's a big thing about fear, and I always think that fear is an illusion. I found that in my life. But if we're to fear anything, it's to actually fear to stand still and not to do anything because you don't know if something's going to be you know a success or a failure but unless we try we're never going to know that absolutely and that's just coasting I think and, yeah. and you know what I think sadly I think you know a lot of people will respond with well I'm comfortable doing that you know and, and, and that's how some people want to be, you know, because that does take away the, the fear element, the fear of the unpredictability, the fear of the unknown, you know, but, but you are absolutely right. You know, mm. if you have that bravery of crossing that line, mm. who knows what wonderful things could happen from that, you know, and it's just having that great, that just having that ability just just to go across the other line, just for a little bit. Let's see, let's see what happens. And, and I, I agree with you entirely that, you know, we should fear more so exactly that staying the same way. So certain mm. practices that happen every single day, they're always going to be like that. That's to me, that's dreadful. I think everything we can, everything could be done better I think there's always other ways of looking at things and you know collectively we can we can all be part of a positive change but we have to not be fearful of that and you're right fear fear is one of the biggest contributors I think to dissatisfaction yeah and to I suppose something inside us dying while we're still alive Mm. and I think there's nothing worse than that to lose that spark of life to lose that passion of life that we are actually I always say this and I truly believe this that we are far more powerful than we could ever really begin to imagine if only we would believe in ourselves yeah I think that's 
I, I think that's a great thing to, to consider. And I, and I believe that we have whatever it may be. We're all so different. You know, we all have, mm-hmm. we all have completely different abilities and talents and foresight. And, but, you know, if we just for a, for a second, mm-hmm. you know, look and think, what could we do? What, 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 what could we be? Um, you know, and try with what, whatever it is that we've got inside us, you know, celebrate that passion, celebrate that drive. Then, yeah, I just think there's just so much, so much that we could do. And we are far more powerful than what we think. And sadly, that could be both a good thing and a bad thing. Yes. Yeah. It it's a double-edged be, sword. In yeah, absolutely. Because it can be incredibly self-destructive. It could be, you know, whatever it may be. But we essentially, we're a powerful force. Um, and, and, and again, how we project that, you know, we are so incredibly powerful about everything around us. You know, we, we influence people, whether we realize it or not, we influence people every single day, you know, whether that's just somebody that, that we meet in a shop, somebody we meet when we're out on a walk, you know, whatever we are always representing, I think our innermost self, you know, and yeah, I, it is. It's, it's actually, I love listening to you, Annie, because you have such a vibrancy. And I love that. It's such a rarity these days. And to find it is a phenomena, really, I think, because people have, in a way, fallen asleep in some instances. A lot of us, we can say, each and every single one of us have fallen asleep maybe to ourselves. I remember I've spoken about this before, but I was in the Sinai and we were climbing Mount Sinai and we, there was me and three other friends of mine. And it's a, I don't know, have you ever been to the Sinai? No, I haven't. No. Okay. So it was a few years ago when I was a tad young guy, I have to say, a lot younger, <laughs> about, I don't know, six, seven years ago, mm-hmm. whenever it was. And um, it was one of those things that I'd always wanted to do. So we made our way and we had two Bedouins. Uh, the three friends had three camels. I initially wanted to go on the camel and then I just thought I'm not doing this with a camel. Um, you know, it's like something like 10,000 meters. Uh, it's very, very high and it's desolate. And um, I remember getting to a point and I had one Bedouin to myself and I remember they were on the camels and I said, I can't do this anymore. I really can't do it. And he said, well, why are you doing it anyway? And I said, well, you see, the thing is, I said, it was my dream to do it. And he said, right. And, I, and he said, well, what could go wrong? I said, I could fall. I could die. You know, you know, and then what? And he said, do you know what? At least you would have died following your dream. And Love that was it. it. You know, that was it. So I got up to the next point and then you have like, I'm making this really short, but it took eight hours. Yeah. So we got to the point and it's called the 700 steps of repentance. We got to the point there and he said, you know, are there any issues, health issues? And I said, well, you know, I'm finding it a bit difficult to breathe because, you know, you're so high. And um, I, I remember having this talk, you know, as you do with your ego, with your heart and Absolutely. the heart wants one thing and the ego's pulling the direction. And I said, well, I don't know if I can do this. You know, it's very steep and it's pitch black now. It's only the moonlight. And, and then my ego said, you know, well, and here you are. 
wanted to be spiritual and we could have sat at the bottom and drank tea. But no, you want to be spiritual. And we could have been in England even and we could have been watching EastEnders. But no, you had to climb the biggest mountain. No, okay. And then I remember my heart saying, we have to do this. So I said to the the other Bedouin that had, you know, joined us Mm. at that point, and I said, I don't know if I can do this. So I had another crisis point. And he said, well, don't do it. We'll go back down. I said, but I don't think I can do that. And he said, well, why not? And I said, well, what will you say? And he said to me, Mimi, it's not what I will say. It's whether you can live with yourself for the rest of your life. And you know what, Annie? That was the pinnacle and literally the turning point, one of the most important turning points of my life because I thought it doesn't really matter what anyone else thinks. It matters what I think. Exactly. Exactly. Isn't it it amazing when you have those moments like that? And I think it's if you're quite... um, you, you know, if you if you if you live in in the present, if you really if you really, I sort of say I'm a bit of an environmental sponge. I take it, everything in, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I want to experience everything wholly and completely, and I want to feel and take on everything. And I think when when you live life like that, you do look at things in a in a slightly different way. And 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 I know that I had a bit of a sort of a light bulb moment like that at a time similar to what we were talking about earlier about what I think I could describe as a, a falling asleep moment. I'd been definitely been asleep for a good few years, absolutely living a life that I think was expected of me, um, mm-hmm. but was just so not me at all. And it's when you're trying to live a life, I think for almost for others it's the most soul destroying thing. And I remembered I had this, I was diagnosed with a particular illness and my mum got very ill. And I remembered sort of really looking at her and then looking at myself and thinking, you know, if, if, if I didn't pull through or if, you know, my mum didn't pull through, could I honestly say, you know, my mum lived her, did everything, you know, and, and say, well, she lived the most rich life and she'd achieved and she'd done so much and, and then I sort of thought, can, can I can I say the same? And the answer was no. Uh, what what have I done? What 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 do I do? I just I've just been just going through life, being super protective of myself because as a former athlete, you you're seriously conditioned to be don't put yourself at risk. You don't you know your, your body's your temple. You've got it's it's my tool to, for me to be able to do what I thought I was supposed to do. And I was always so overprotective. So I would, I has, I was so physically capable and able, yet I didn't do anything with it. And, and I had that moment similar, you know, and, and sort of thought, you know, can I honestly say I've, I've done so many amazing, wonderful things. Obviously I've represented my country. I've run for Great Britain, but it wasn't, there was something else. And from that moment, everything changed. I just became, I wanted to take and do everything. And similar to to what you just said there, it was a case of, do you know what? If the worst, worst, worst thing happens, Mm. then I'm doing something, I'm feeding my soul. You know, how many people do you see that get, you know, I've just recently lost somebody that I 
really cared about a lot. You know, I, I, it was a huge part of my life for a very, very long time, had a huge effect on my athletic career, you know, and, and I loved him like, like, like a father. And he lived the most amazing life, taking care of himself, always been a super fit guy. He was a world record holder uh, for swimming the channel, a, an incredibly fit, capable, able, able guy. You know, he got struck down with a terminal illness and within sort of six weeks passed away in the most terrible way. And, and, and although that was awful, it was also quite affirming in the sense that my decisions, my choices I make, that I'm going to do this regardless is for me the right thing to do because I wouldn't want to go that way. I, I don't just want to let things happen to me. I'm not saying I'm living life on the edge and, you know, I, I, I like playing with death. I don't, but I want to feel and experience everything. And mm. you know what, if the worst things happen, at least, you know, it's a story to tell. If I come through the other end, it's a story to tell. I've, I've, it's something that, you know, I've, it's just another experience and it makes you a more rounded, richer person for it I agree and sometimes these moments that are in a way like catalysts for a complete change of life especially when people are close to us and they leave this world it affects us in the most profound ways that we don't even realize at the time but we all have this certain connection to each other I believe and we meet as we spoke about earlier before we came on, we meet for a reason. And I know that you have given me permission to talk about this, but that you have an autoimmune condition. And what I find incredible is that even though you have this condition, you still have that strength of spirit to help others. For example, the animals that you have helped, you know, incredibly so. Where do you get that strength, Annie? I think it's, I don't know, I don't, I don't really know, to be honest. I think it's, it comes from, I've always made up my own rules. I've always wanted to live my life very much so my own way and, cre- and made up my own rules. And when I was diagnosed with that, it was, I didn't know how to deal with it. It attacked something that I felt is what gave me, you know, it had such a huge bearing and effect on my health, obviously. Mm. Um, that, but I felt that my physical abilities, what got me through everything in life, I was recognized as this person that was so physically fit and capable and able and had been diagnosed with this chronic condition, which attacks the one thing I guess gave me the confidence to be who I was and and it was this this sort of I think I rebelled against it to be honest because Mm. as soon as I was you know the doctors sort of say to you go go do some research go there's plenty of support out there go go join your support group and and I did and I went straight home went I, I wanted to talk to people about it it has never I responded how I would say you know I was, I was responding in a way how I was told to respond to it. And then when I was reading everybody's experiences about it, I was going, no, 
I'm not them. That's not what's going to happen to me. And then I wanted to find athletes who had been, who had been diagnosed with this. And Mm -hmm. what actually happened actually was I found out there was a huge correlation between really incredibly high levels of, of training and this particular autoimmune condition. So then obviously then I was like, I was putting two and two together and I was getting in touch with people trying to find out, is there a link? I wanted people to do research into this, Mm. but, but it was kind of, I, the, the stories I was reading about how this condition is going to play out was just so, it was not me. It was, I'm not, I don't want to be like that. I don't, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. And then I sort, sort of thought to myself, do you know what? I am so, it took so long in a way for, for it to be diagnosed because I'm so, um, my body work generally works so well and I'm, and I'm, and I do keep myself very fit. I thought maybe I will be the first person that responds to this in a completely, completely different way. And from that moment, I came off every single site and it was, this is my condition and these are going to be my rules. And, and, I, and, and I've dealt with it in the only way I could because I had to acknowledge this is what I'm going to have for the rest of my life. So what do I do? Do I sit at home nervous? Is this the day I'm not going to be able to get out of bed? Is mm. this the day all oh, my hair's going to drop out? Is this the day, whatever it might be? Or am I just going to give myself every, a fighting chance that I'm going to minimize the condition, the, 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 the effects of it, and just get on with it? And, and I found that if, if, if I just... De- dealt with it medically yes obviously there are certain things I have to do mm. then you know that that's that's fine but also the our minds are the most powerful thing you know mm. if if I get a certain yeah that that's if I feel a certain way one day yeah that's probably down to my auto, that's probably down to my autoimmune condition I mm. don't label it as that I just think oh I'm not feeling so great today and then just you know just just carry on but I, it was, it was say, you know, I don't know where that's come from, but I, I know that that's how I've always been. I've always felt slightly different and that's not always a good thing, but I've always felt very different. I've always felt different to everybody else. Not really sure what I'm here for or what I'm here to do, but I know that I'm here to do something I'm not quite found yet. And therefore, because I've had this my whole entire life, mm. it means that the way I'm supposed to respond to things or the way I'm supposed to deal with things it's like, no, I'm not supposed to do that because I kind of feel that I'm a bit different, I guess. I don't, I don't know how to describe that, but yeah. I suppose the one thing that we are all is different. Yeah. And I think society, especially in the West, is trying, ever trying to make everyone the same. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think this whole um, negative response of our bodies and our minds and our spirits is that, hang on a minute, I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to be like me. And by the time you spent the battle of trying to fight, well, I don't want to be like everyone else. I want to be me. But instead of battling with that, you just focus your energy on finding out who you are. Mm. And that sort of shifts everything also, the focus. But ultimately we are also connected but that doesn't mean that we should all be the same and 
one of the most beautiful things I think in life is that we are all so different. And especially, you know, all the work that you have done um, with the horses and the dogs, and you've set up the Cherry Horse Welfare International. Tell us a little bit about that. And, and is that something that helped your condition? And also, did it help you find a place in the world? Uh- Absolutely. Yes. So I'll try to keep this brief. So mm-hmm. when I had this, this, this moment with, with my mom um, being diagnosed with cancer and, and then me having this autoimmune condition, um, I sort of really looked at myself and thought, have I done everything I've, I've ever really wanted to do? Now is the time. Whilst I'm still physically capable and able, now is the time. I have and have always had the most crazy love and connection for horses always have i just admire them respect them just think they're majestic i i i have this really strange connection with horses and and have done my whole entire life and one of my dreams was i wanted my own horse and i i kind of thought oh and this is where the if not now when mantra that i have was kind of born and i and i sort of thought to myself why do i always say one day i'm gonna get a horse why do i always say that what day is this and so i literally went out and i got the most inappropriate horse i i I got (laughs) i went and and did what you know typically uh, when i tell you the story well that's typical of me i i rescued um, an ex racehorse i i learned about racing what happened within the racing fraternity the breeding practices etc and i was horrified and i went and got um i went and rescued cherry and here was this most beautiful stunning dark bay mare who had just, she'd had an incredibly successful career racing. She was a steeplechaser. I believe she'd had a terrible fall. I think she'd had a rotational fall um, and and damaged her hip. What they did was they put, because she'd had, she was very good, they put her in foal. So she had a foal. Once she'd weaned, they'd weaned her, she had a little boy. Um, Once she had the colt um, weaned off of her, they immediately put her into the sales. Now, a horse has a base price and it's classed as meat price. It's, they, they go for meat. And that is the, the basic carcass of a horse is worth around £250. Mm-hmm. She was thrown into the sales, still lactating, tucked up, petrified, deeply sensitive animal, just absolutely shaking. Um, and um, we bartered with the meat man and eventually got her for just over 250 pounds, took her home. And that's where endless amounts of work was, was done. She, she was so frightened. She, she was dangerous because she was fearful. They're huge, great big animals. Anyway, Mm. um, after she just taught me so much, my connection with her was so phenomenal. It's, I can't, I struggle to even put it into words. She taught me so much. She gave me the confidence to do and be whatever. I I knew that if I could get this horse to be everything I ever, my dream horse, we've saved each other. And that's exactly what happened. She was my absolute best friend. We, We did everything. We, 
you know, I, I trained her like she was a human being to make sure that she was fit, well, healthy. We just grew together and she taught me patience, resilience to overcome fear. Um, you know, I, she, she taught me to be calmer. I was a much calmer person. Um, and it was so, it was such the process. I can't tell you how it changed me completely. But from there, having her and going through that with her, I understood horses to an incredible degree, how mm. smart they are, how, how, how connected with us they are. If a horse doesn't want to go, they, we work together. It's, they, they, they look to us for answers that, you know, they're, they're very sensitive animals. And if they, they're struggling with something, she, in the only way she can, she looks to me to guide her. And I realized how, and also looking after them, they're so, not only are they, are they, their personalities are phenomenally sensitive, their, their bodies are just, honestly, it's so, unless you've had one, you don't realize how super sensitive they are generally. Anyway, yeah. so from there became this, this complete love and respect for horses. I went out to Romania on, um, on uh, I think it was probably the thir- the, my third trip to Romania. And we just rescued this dog. We'd found this little puppy in, um, in horrific condition. He was dying. And we, we picked up this pup and he was in the car. We were heading into Bucharest to go. He needed a blood transfusion. He needed a blood transfusion immediately. So we headed off into Bucharest. And when I was busy, we were wrapping him up in plastic bags, trying to keep him as warm as possible. Um, we'd had this incredible discussion at this. The, a train came across the road, so we were at a standstill. And we were having this discussion. I said, we need to name him. And the vet and my friend in the car were like, no, 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 that's bad luck. We can't, until we know he's going to pull through, we can't name him. And I said, every single, be- every single being has to be named. If he's mm. not named and he dies without a name, it means it doesn't matter. The first thing I do with anything is name them. And it mm. means to me, it, it's, it's respecting them for being alive and respect them for being a living being. And it means to me that they mattered. Somebody mattered about that animal. Anyway, yes. So we named him. And I remember looking to my right and and to my right was this horse and it was pulling a cart absolutely full of, of, of trees that they'd obviously felled. And, oh my gosh, I, I, it was, it was, it blew my mind that how this horse is still able to work. Uh, It was malnourished. It had cut, its mouths were bleeding. It's, it had whip marks on it. It was so shocking i i didn't know what to do with myself i was just and i spoke to the vet and said what the heck and from there i learned that the horses in romania um have the most horrific time anyway i came home and i very 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 sadly lost cherry very unexpectedly um and just just so horrifically um she died in my arms and and i made a promise to her and, and I promised her that her life mattered more than she could ever imagine. And that in her name, I was going to, as far as I was concerned, she rescued me just before she passed away. I said, I'm going to, your name will live on. You will be talked about every day. 
and I'm going to save as many horses as I can. And that's all for you. And, and I said that to her and then she passed away. And so from there, that was my motivation. So that's why it became Cherry Horse Welfare International and it was born. And at the moment it's working nice and it's an outreach program, which is working in a, in Chernovoda in Romania. Mm-hmm. And basically we fund vets to go out into the community to help these hardworking horses, to build relationships and, and to administer veterinary care um, and just to provide food, rugs in the winter, anything that we can um, just to make their lives a little bit more bearable. To change the way they live comes from probably, I would imagine, um, more of an economical and political um, level. Um, but at the moment, we can go in and we can make their lives a little bit more bearable. And that's how Cherry Horse Welfare came about. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And how long was Cherry in your life, Annie? So she wasn't in my, I mean, she she wasn't in my life for very long, really. I think I, I was diagnosed in 2012. I think I got her towards the end of, oh yeah, November 20, November 2012, I got her and she passed away in March 2018. And yet she made such a profound difference to your life. Oh, if you let these animals in and mm. you, you open, you let them in and you really open yourselves up and you take them and you, and you listen, you look, you observe, you look, they, she had, she, I know this sounds ridiculous and people, I kind of, I know that people just wouldn't understand this, but she's, she's, she changed everything, just everything. She, she made me see everything completely differently. Yeah. She, it was, it was incredible. It is incredible. And what I find incredible with animals is that, you know, I adore them. And one of the things that I get very sort of really really upset about is i always look you know at how the country is actually treating its animals i always look at that and i always look at how people treat animals and i think well you know if they're going to treat animals like that then they're going to treat humans like that and i've never been wrong so far in my view of that but the most remarkable thing is that they don't speak Mm. and simply without words so you can tell the power of their spirit of their energy that really even without words they're able to transform our life absolutely yeah and it it almost comes down to this this how many times do you hear people saying you know that they can have that they can have a connection or relationship and it's not through words Mm. you know there are so many ways to have a connection there's so many different ways to communicate, you know, talking, the, you know, the talking isn't just, isn't everything. It, that's, that's not the only way to connect or to have an effect on somebody. You know, everybody often says, you know, actions speak louder than words. That's the case with everything. If you stop, listen and look, then there is, there is so much more and a richer life to to see and acknowledge if if we see there are so many other ways of a connection it's true and you don't have to speak it's i find the most powerful connections are those that there are no words that you don't need to say anything 
because everything's understood on another level. And I think when you bring words into it, it sort of lessens sometimes the whole experience. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where, you know, depending on the way that you choose to live your life or, or certain personality traits, mm. you know, if you're so, if you're, incre- if you're open, if, you know, if you sort, if you're open-minded to anything and everything, you'll see things in a completely different way. So I was able to see what she was doing. I was able to see what she was trying to essentially say to me because I'm open to all of that. And then I will connect to that. And, and it, again, it adds to that rich tapestry of, of life, you know, it opens so many other things up and it, 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 I think as well, because I have that, I have that with Cherry or I had that with Cherry. I think that's why I felt so strongly then about the other animals and realizing there is no difference between a dog, a cat, a horse or a pig or a cow. And then Mm. that's where my, then my, you know, the vegan side of, of what I do then came, came, very very strongly came after because i i realized i i used to almost not consider horses like farm animals but I, I kind of considered them similar and then i suddenly realized they're just all they're just little souls they may be mm. presented differently they may look yeah but they're just little souls existing on this earth. They feel, they feel pain. They feel love. They feel thirst. They have desires. You know, they're just simply trying to exist in the best way that they can. They feel all the same things that we feel. They just can't express it the same way that we do. But just because they can't express it the same way that we do doesn't mean that it doesn't exist or that it's not there. It is. Yeah, yeah. it's very true. It's mm. very true. I have a love of horses actually I have to say um but my favorites are the miniature ponies which have played a large part in my life and you know they're the most cutest things that you know it's what dreams are made of for me you know a miniature pony and I met ever since I was young I had this total fascination with them and I met a particular miniature pony um who was even smaller than he should have been. So he was the size um, and he, of a dog, like a dog, let me think what sort of dog, like four Pomeranians put together, you know, Aww. like miniature, miniature. And when I saw him, he had one green eye and one blue eye and these long eyelashes. It was really like a fairy tale type of creature. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness, this is what's real. And he jumped on my lap, would you believe? And I thought, this is what dreams are made of. And he actually reminded me of who I was. So I totally understand with you and Cherry, because there was a sense of that he gave space to my soul. Yeah. Yeah. And this is really important, not just with animals, but with humans as well, that we give space to each other to be who we really are. Absolutely. To, to be open, to mm. be open with ourselves, but then to be, open, to, to be open to others and respect others and to respect that we're not all the same. And, you know, if somebody does think slightly differently, it's okay to have opposing views, but sometimes it's, it's good to come together and 
respect each other and talk about it and learn about yeah. it. You yeah. know? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, it's beautiful to connect mm-hmm. and beautiful to realize that we are all living beings, you know, whether that be the animals, the birds, humans, and all sorts of things that we can't see as well. Um, that we're part of, as you said, a greater tapestry of life. Yeah. Every single person has its place on this, you know, beautiful carpet uh, of existence that we all have a part to play. Now, I wanted to ask you actually, Annie, just for um, the listeners, you do also work for the strays of Romania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. And then also where people, if they want to uh, make contributions to help those causes, where they can do that. So again, as you probably gathered from the way that we speak, I, I don't just, I, I think quite wholly about things, if you know what I mean, in the sense mm, that mm, I look at, you know, so just because there's dogs, you know, I, I know completely that there are dogs here in the UK that need help as well. Mm. But it, to me, borders, just because we've got a sea between us, doesn't mean that, you know, that, that if, if an animal abroad needs help and I've got the ability to do it, doesn't mean that I shouldn't because it, it's somebody else's responsibility. Would it's you do it? I mean, up. if someone called you and um, they needed your help and they found a cause somewhere, is that something that you would consider doing? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, I got, I got a call just last week about, you know, would I help with something? It was, was it, it was still in Romania, but you know, and the answer is absolutely yes. If there's, if there's an animal anywhere in the world that needs help and you, and you are able to, then don't pass the book to anybody else. Mm, It's, mm. you know, do it. But what I learned, the difference between the dogs here in the UK and the dogs in Romania is, is the level of suffering. So I am, I'm, I'm, nothing should suffer, you know, and that's, that's the thing. So when you go over to Romania, it becomes incredibly apparent the amount of suffering that, that, that they face. And it's really strange because the very first trip that I went to, I really struggled and I thought I wanted to go home. I remember being driven from the airport to my hotel and just going, I can't do this because the amount of dogs I saw on the road um, playing on the railway track, I was like, I can't, I can't do this. And then by the end of the trip, when I was on my way home, I realized that those dogs, actually, if we could leave those dogs alone, they're actually okay. They're the ones that are okay. But what they do in Romania is they because they do have such a stray dog population and because of lots of different reasons financial reasons as well as social reasons so reasons believe it or not religious reasons some of them don't believe in spaying and neutering their dogs there are there, the amount of dogs that 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 li- are living on the streets is huge mm. and what they have is they have these um what's called public shelters and they have dog catchers so the dog catchers will go around the streets and they will collect all the dogs in a van, put them in a kill shelter. The kill shelters legally have, to, sorry, the dogs have to be in there for around about 14 days. And then they have a cycle of kills each 14 days. Oh dear. Now, that's quite a broad um, sort of explanation. Mm. There are lots of different shelters that, that might do, but that's generally what happens. Now, the very, very, very poor shelters, number one, when they're in there for 14 days, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get fed. The term shelter isn't necessarily um, fitting neither because 
um, it doesn't mean that they do have shelter. So in the winter, they're just in open cages. So they're exposed to minus 25 degrees, snow, rain. Some of them freeze to death. Um, Horrific, and then, absolutely. And then in the summer, they don't mm. have any shelter from the blistering heat and some of them die of heat, heat exhaustion. They don't always get fed. Quite often in kill shelters, it's up to the local people to go and feed them. And sometimes they, they, there are certain times of the day where they can go in and be fed. Sometimes they're fed, sometimes they're not. Then when they're actually killed, they're killed in the most violent, horrible ways because they don't have money. They don't have the money to be able to kill them in what we would consider a respectful, reasonable, painless way. Mm. And when you learn about this and you're working with people in Romania that are part of undercover surveillance of what goes on and you're working with people who have seen this and I've been into a public shelter myself and seen the, the reality, you can't forget that. You can't, you can't forget that. And you can't so, unsee it, I you suppose. You can't unsee it. So once mm. you've seen something like that, that's it. And for me, we have to do something. And if you go into a public shelter, and you, I've been in before, and then we've got two dogs out. Yes, I know, we're leaving, say, 88 more dogs in there. But for those two, they've now been rescued, saved, and they're living here, and they're no longer going to suffer what, all of those other dogs suffered. It's, it's, it's absolutely horrendous. And um, how can people help? How can so, people, so people help? Can help. There's, there's a couple of people that I work with um, in Romania. So the one is the dog rose. So if somebody goes and clicks on uh, dog rose Romania, their website will come, will come up. They are undoubtedly at the forefront of making change in Romania. And I work very, very, very closely with them. They, mm -hmm. they want to, they do spay neuter campaigns. They want to change the way that private shelters are run in Romania. They believe in dogs having free and open space. Um, it's, it's incredible the work that they do. That's one way. If you, if you really want to help there, that is, that will be a beautiful, amazing place for you to donate your, your money to, and it will go directly to the cause and will make great, great change. Um, the other one as well is save the dogs Romania. So again, if you put in save the dogs, um, that's cherry, I'm linked with them through cherry horse welfare. I help to fund um, their horse welfare, their, the outreach program they have. But what they do, again, for the dogs is, is phenomenal. So I would say those two are your best port of calls. Um, dog, uh, dog Rose Romania and Save the Dogs um, Romania. Um, and, and what about your ch uh, charity that so, you do? So mine, so I've got www.cherryhorsewelfareinternational.org and on there mm. it just gives you a basic story of, 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 of Cherry projects that we're working on right now and there is a, call, a click to action button where again you can donate, um, where you can donate uh, to uh, Cherry Horse Welfare and every single penny um, is donated to the two projects that I have out in Romania, directly helping working horses. Amazing, amazing. And what about, um, Annie, for people who want to find out 
more about what you do and you want to be in contact, where is the best place to contact you? To go through uh, Cherry Horse Welfare International website, um, mm-hmm. or and then from there you can click on, and there's my email on there, or I'm on Facebook, um, Annie Connolly, um, or uh, Instagram, which is just um, Annie of Wonderland. But probably the best one is is Cherry Horse Welfare International dot org, um, and then there's my my as I said, my email address is on there. So pop me an email um, or I'm on Facebook quite regularly. So just Annie Connolly on Facebook and just send me a private message. And I am always open to, you know, if, if anybody wants to know directly how to help, um, I can always guide and direct That's That's essentially what that's there for. That's wonderful because, you know, people need somewhere. Sometimes we feel helpless, but at least now people, this goes everywhere now across the world so at least people now that want to help and feel that they can help there's a point of call which is your website you know if they feel more comfortable to contact you yourself and maybe who knows they have some other projects or things that maybe you could you know talk about or collaborate with other people and going back to something we talked about earlier, I think this is actually quite an important point, is, is mm-hmm. when you have that connection or you have that view, you do feel completely helpless. And sometimes just connecting or knowing that mm. there is something that you can do, it makes you just feel that little bit better about certain things that are going on. You, bec- you, you, can, you, 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 you feel a little bit at peace knowing that there is something that I can do. Um, yeah. You know, not everybody is... I'm... I'm, I'm a bit crazy i i will find a way but i know that not everybody's like that and and so i i go through phase where i do get a lot of people reaching out to me messaging saying i've had to scroll through really quickly i couldn't look at that i couldn't read it and it's like oh whoa, no don't don't scroll through you know it's it's if those that feel it the most are the ones are that we are the only ones that are going to be able to do something about it you know and then i'll talk to them about what we can do you know, and then you, you, you don't, you see things differently then because you know that you're doing something about it or you connect with other people that are, have dedicated their lives to doing something. And you just feel that little bit more at peace about things, knowing that there is a complete community out there that every day are doing something to make it a better world for the animals. And it makes them feel a little bit more comfortable. So if there's anybody that wants to be able to help. I'm always looking for people to come out with me to Romania, people to really get involved with whatever, whether it's the horse side or the dog side, honestly, just contact me on those. And, and I will, I, that's, nobody can do anything on their own. You know, we need more and more people to support the more people we have behind these campaigns, the, the more we can do, we can move mountains together, uh, but you know, we, we need more of us. So, just reach out, feel free to reach out and I'll always be there to guide and support and just talk about it, whatever. It's amazing work, Annie, really. And I want to thank you because it is raising awareness as well so that at least people know where to come. And as you said, sometimes we feel so distraught about things and we feel so powerless, but at least if we know somebody somewhere cares, it takes a little bit of that hurt and disappointment away from life and that there is hope there is always hope isn't there 
Absolutely. It can be quite isolating, actually. You think you're the only person that mm. feels that way and you feel completely mm. isolated and you often question yourself and think, why do I, why am I the only one that yeah. feels like this? And, and, and it, it can, it, it has a, a, a deep effect on your own mental health. And the more you realize, you know, that there are, there are so many other people out there like that, you know, that feel that way. Um, and there are things that you can do. You, it has a much, it has, it's, it begins to affect you and who you are in a positive mm. way. You start to then see things differently. You start to feel, oh my gosh, I, I can do something. I can make a difference. And it doesn't matter how small that is collectively, we are making the biggest difference, bigger than what you could ever imagine. Um, and it is just feeling part of something and, and realizing that there are people out there that will be able to guide you to be part of the change, you know? Beautiful. I love it. I love what you do. <laughs> and I think, you're, I think you're amazing, really. I do. And, you know, wow. And <laughs> I am so honored to have you here today. I really am. And I'm joyful. And I'm so pleased that you took the time to come and share your beautiful story, one of hope, which is so needed in these times. Absolutely. One of hope. And for us all to realize that actually we matter you know yeah. no matter how lost you might feel or whatever's happened through covid or anything else you act everything you matter and you can make and you can do something and you can make a difference oh annie that's so lovely <laughs> oh gosh it, really it's moved me a lot you know oh, because, so please oh really it has it has in in the most profound way because it really gives you a glimmer of hope. And sometimes all you need is that little glimmer of light to shine Absolutely. in that darkness out there. But I always ask my guests this, Annie, as we come to the end <laughs> of the show, um, sadly, I always ask, what can you give as advice or wisdom to people out there, the listeners in the world who maybe feeling a little lost or a little hopeless, something that maybe has helped you and helps you through life? I think it, it, it sadly don't look externally. So if you are feeling that way, try not necessarily look to external things to make you feel better. I think you've got to almost sit with it and work out, you know, why you're feeling this way what it is that's contributed to that and then asking yourself are you really every single day doing what you know you're supposed to be doing and 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 if you're not acknowledge that and start to do something about it and to say it's okay everything is okay if you're not on the on the right path it's okay you know everything leads to something else and, and, and just going back to that other point I made earlier is I think one of the biggest issues we have as societies generally is we believe we're insignificant. We, we, we have this feeling that we are, we're so small, we are generally quite insignificant. You are absolutely not. You know, you, it's realizing that you are far more powerful than what you, what you really think and just believing 
that whatever you do at whatever level will make a difference, whether that's to the next person you meet or the next person you're going to be talking to at work tomorrow, whatever it is, you know, you, everything, every single little thing you do makes a difference. And, and my, my advice is just simply to realize that we do matter. We're not insignificant. You can make a difference. And for goodness sake, just make it something good and for something that's bigger and greater than the here and now and whatever, you know, whatever it is you're doing in that moment, we can, we can touch lives and animals or whatever, anywhere and everywhere. Just don't restrict yourself. Beautiful. Amazing. You're amazing. What can I say to you? (laughs) Absolutely amazing. Oh my goodness. And yes, we are so significant. Absolutely. And you, you know, I, little mantras help me. You know, mm. like I said, and maybe people, when something clicks with somebody or resonates with somebody, don't be afraid to write that down. Don't, yes. don't be afraid to write that down and visit that when when is needed. You know, if not now, when? If not me, who? I am not insignificant. You know, just those three things are are incredibly powerful and so true. And you know, and yeah. And we need reminding. Always, because sadly, Mm. you know, life is a little bit of a conveyor belt. And sometimes we don't actually really think. We just do. We don't necessarily think. We are every day, you know, on this this sort of conveyor belt of life. And, you know, you don't necessarily really think things. And, you know, it's when, give yourself time to stop and think. And, And during those times, you know, what are you going to do? You know, what is it that matters? And think slightly differently about things and, you know, write those down and revisit them again, you know. And in that moment, you may not feel capable or able of doing something about it. I don't. I have periods where I have weeks and weeks where I feel I've achieved nothing because of whatever is real life might have got in the way or I'm just a little bit down about something. And a few weeks can go by and I've not really achieved anything. I, I feel I've let, I've just had an incident actually this week where some horses were put to sleep and I felt, I, I was so upset about it. I felt I could have done more and I should have done more. And, you know, but I acknowledge that other things in life at that particular time, you know, I did what I could, but you know, but don't be afraid to, you know, let those things happen and then eventually learn from that. And then one day go re, re, revisit what it is that, what is it that is, 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 is real and meaningful and authentic to you and then apply it when you feel able, able and capable. Yes. And it's understanding and being gentle with ourselves, isn't it, Annie? Absolutely. We're not yeah. indestructible. We're not you know, we're not robots, you know, we, we have certain responsibility to people potentially around us, to ourselves, and we are not robots, you know, and yeah, you, you have to be, you do absolutely have to sometimes just give yourself a break. Yeah, absolutely. And learn to love ourselves in yes. all our splendid glory. That, I agree completely (laughs) (laughs) oh thank you Annie it's been wonderful 
You really. are so welcome. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And, um, you know, I, I've always, always enjoyed and got an awful lot out of a lot of things of yours that, that you've written. I think you write so beautifully. And, and I've always said I've got a very, I think, a beautiful connection with you in the sense that you just seem to say the right things at the right time when I need it. So it's been oh. an absolute pleasure ditto ditto really and um it's a pleasure to know you and really an honor to know you annie and i am so pleased that you are part of this wonderful journey on this planet at the same time as i am oh that's that i that's lovely i i i i obviously feel absolutely the same so thank you so much Oh, and come again if you know you have some news and even if you don't have any news come again and you know join me and tell us all the things that you've been up to that would be wonderful to hear I would be honored and I'd love to so absolutely <laughs> yes <laughs> oh. all right then well look have a great rest of the day thank you and um look after yourself and carry on being that shining bright light that you are as long as you do i will <laughs> all right then okay then thank you okay bye bye, bye. annie Connolly. wow the power of feeling significant amazing Thank you so much for joining me today. And until next time, look after yourselves. Remember that you are very significant in this world. Lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website, www.miminovic.co.uk.